This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. The book of Philippians is where we are at today. And I'm not even going to give you a title to this message. I didn't title this message. I'm going to simply, we're going to simply read through the passage. And then we're going to break this down, a very important topic today. And that is the topic of giving to missions. Giving to missions. There is also a subtopic here of just giving in general. But the main topic and thrust of this message and this passage that Paul penned was giving to those that do missions, those that do mission work. And so uh, we want to talk a little bit about that today. We want to learn what God has for us in that day. I want to put some context on this because I want us to understand that Paul is in a place right now where he is bound and chained in prison. Paul has been put in prison in the city of Rome. Uh, Paul doesn't know his, the, the fate of his life. Paul doesn't know, is this the last time? He was imprisoned several times. Paul does not know, is this the last time I'm going to be in prison? I mean, is this the time they actually execute me and, and, I, and I go to be with my Savior? Paul doesn't know that. And so Paul talks a lot. I think it's interesting that Paul is writing this from prison as he's bound in shackles and chains. He talks about rejoice in the Lord. We talked about that last week. He talks about having unity. And then he encourages at the end, he encourages this church in their giving to him as a missionary. But just put that in context that Paul is writing this from a Roman prison. We're going to pick up in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, you can see them there on the screens. But Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10 says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. We could stop there and we could preach on that that passage of Scripture for a long time. I both, verse 12, I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I'm instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Once again, we could stop there and we could talk a lot about that verse. Verse 14, notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you did send once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I don't know if you've been in church long. I don't know if you've been around you know, Christianese, uh, that's what I call it, where, where pastors and church people say certain things, but I've heard this statement so much, hey, listen, a missionary will come through, and that missionary will say, we, you know, God is doing this in our work, and let me just tell you something, church, because of your support of our mission work, that is fruit to your account. Well, this is where they get that from. The Apostle Paul says this, this to his supporting church, the church there at Philippi. Paul says in verse 18, but I have all in abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Now unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. And he closes the letter. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And he ends with amen. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, open this passage of scripture to us. God, I pray that this would not be a, a clinical, methodical, um, simply academic study today, God. I pray that we would see the power and, the, and the, the imperative behind this, God, that you give to us in this passage through the pen of the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter to a young church. God, I pray that this would be something that we become passionate about. This would be something that, that takes root in our lives, in our church, in our individual lives. And God, I pray that we would leave here today more equipped, more encouraged, uh, ready to be a giver, ready to be a supporter of those that are doing your work. God, we love you and we do thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to jump right in today because I really want to spend the end of the, of the, of the message and a conclusion uh, talking maybe a little bit about Easter and how you can invite people and help with that. But we're going to jump right in. Number one this morning, I want us to see this, that the church cared about missions even when they were not financially able to contribute. The church cared about missions even when they were not financially able to contribute. Verse 10 says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once and again you renewed your care for me. A different version than what you saw. Uh, you were in fact concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. Paul says this, this was a very young church. The church of Philippi was not that old. Similar to us, we're a young church. He said this, hey listen, before you were financially able to support me, you cared about me. You just didn't have the opportunity to give. And I want us to understand this because this is a baseline, foundation, fundamental truth. Anything that we give to missions, anything that we give to God financially through the church ought to come out of an overflow of a heart that is full of care and love for God and for the gospel. Anything that we do, anything that we give, it should not be out of duty it should not be because we got guilted into it. It should not be because, because you know, someone twisted your arm. Everything that we give, whether it be of our time, whether it be of our money, whatever it may be, everything we give needs to be out of an overflow of our love for whatever that is. It needs to be out of an overflow. Because at the end of the day, you will only truly give. You're only truly being obedient to God when you give out of a heart of love. Matthew 6.21 simply says this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There is a direct connection this morning between what we care about and where our money goes. I don't want to meddle. I don't want to meddle in your business. But I would like to challenge you to do this. I don't know how well you budget. I don't know how well you know how much you spend at the end of the month. Here's what I would like to encourage you to possibly do. Look back at the month of February and look at what you spent the most money on. Just do simple categories. Housing, living, food, cars, transportation, gas. That can all be in one. However you do that. And here's the thing. I'm not trying to guilt you in this because... I care about my family. So guess what? A good chunk of my money needs to go to my family. Hey, I care about different things in my life. I, I care about eating. I mean, i got to stay alive, right? Uh, and I, I like to eat good food too, by the way. 
And uh, man, the Lord's blessing me. I'm going to have some good food today for lunch, in fact. I can't wait. But the fact is this, there's some, those aren't bad things. I'm not trying to guilt you there. What I'm asking you to do, though, is to kind of take an inventory and say, okay, where are internal things given and where are external things given? Where, where are they given? And let's look at it because you know what it says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I will say this, I wouldn't give you a dime for a father who doesn't spend money and, and, and financially take care of his family. I wouldn't give you a dime for a mother who's not willing to sacrifice for the good of her family and for the good of her children. I wouldn't give you a dime for, the, for a person like that. And so let me just say this, I think that there needs to be priority given there. But on a spiritual level, if we, let's, let's take money out of the question, because this is not just about money. Let's take money out of the question. Let's look at our time spent. Let's look at our hours in the past three weeks. And let's look at the hours and let's say, hey, God, how much of that time has been on me, me, me? Or how much of that time has been on others, others, others? You, you, you. Because where our treasure is there will our heart be also. The word is invested, right? That's the word. I'm, in, I'm invested in that. I don't know about you, I love shows like Shark Tank. I think it's a great show. Um, I, other shows, there's one called The Prophet. It's a great show my, that, that I, I love personally. I get to see some inside. But I like that. You know why? These investors, they come into these struggling sometimes businesses, and they invest a part of themselves into that business. And you know what? All of a sudden, they care. All of a sudden, it matters what those sales are. All of a sudden, you know why? Because they are invested. And I want to say this, I'm not even asking you to invest in the Lord's work this morning. I'm not asking you to do that because you know what? If you invest, you're saying, okay, God, I'm going to give and now hurry up. I need my investment back. Give, my, give it back. I'm going to ask you to have this attitude today. and We're, we're going to get more on it later. I'm going to have you, ask you to have this attitude. I don't want to invest in God's work. I want to spend. I want to be spent for God's work. And you know what? If I'm spent for God's work, Man, I'm just, it's just the overflow of my love and my joy, and I'm just being spent. These people here did not have the money to give at the very beginning, but they cared and they loved. And I'm assuming they spent hours and time in prayer. I'm assuming they spent hours and time in other ways of giving of their lives to further the mission of Paul and ultimately the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the church cared about missions even where they were not financially able to contribute. But secondly, this morning we see this, that the missionary, Paul, here was content with God's provision. Paul was content in God's, with God's provision. Notice he says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He said, look, I know how to, uh, to be abased. I know how to abound. I know how to be full. I know how to be hungry. I know how to abound and I know how to suffer need. But he says this, hey, listen, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hey, at the end of the day, Paul says, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Hey, if you don't ever give another penny toward me, to me, hey, my God's going to supply. I've got this. I understand. I can do all things through Christ. But here's the way it practically works out in our lives. We want to partner with missionaries and with mission works who have the same humble approach to fiscal responsibility within their lives. We want to partner with missionaries that have the attitude of this. Hey, Keystone, man, it would be a, such a blessing if you guys could come alongside of us and help us financially. We've got a lot of things God wants us to do. We, want, we would love for you to be a part of that. 
You know what, however, if you guys can't do that, guess what? God's going to continue this work. And man, God's good. And God's going to provide for our family. And praise the Lord, we're going to keep on going for Christ. Those are the types of people. And I say that only because I think there's, a, there's an element of, um, of, of, of goodwill. There's an element of humanitarian work that is a front of humanitarian work. And really, it's a cash cow for those that are running those humanitarian works. I'm just shooting straight with you. Uh, you ought to look into it sometime. These, these uh, I, I, I promise you I will not name any names, but these massive organizations that take in money a lot of times in desperate times of need. And you really ought to look into that before you just blindly throw your money at it. Because you ought to look at how much that C- the CEO of that nonprofit is profiting. That $1 you're giving to fill-in-the-blank organization, you might see 25 to 30 cents of that dollar actually get to where you think it's going. And so just, just as a reminder, we want to partner personally with people like Paul, who says, listen, hey, I've been in need. God's, God's good. Hey, I've had abundant. God has blessed me. God's good. I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. Hey, I know how to be full. I know how to be hungry. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And that's the attitude uh, that Paul had. And while we do not think that missionaries and mission works should be poor, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I think people ought to be well taken care of. I think that they ought to run their organizations you know, professionally in first class. But we want to partner with those who honor the Lord with their finances. And as we seek to be financially responsible ourselves, we want to partner with those mission works who have the same mentality. We have a, we have a, a process by which we spend our money here at Keystone, it is, and it is not just frivolously spending. It is a very detailed process. In fact, within the next few uh, weeks, we will have a financial report for you for the first quarter of this year, kind of letting you know where we're at and how we spent. And we, you can look through that, and you can browse through that all you want to. We want to partner with missionaries that are the same way. That want, to, that want to be wise in what they do. And Paul here was a good spender. Paul here was a conservative, humble person when it came to his finances. And so we saw that the church cared about missions when they weren't financially able to contribute. That's the baseline heart of the matter. Secondly, we saw that Paul, the missionary, was content with God's provision. Thirdly, this morning, we see that the church gave continuous gifts to further mission works. Look at verse 15. You Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul says this, hey, church of Philippi, you gave on a consistent basis toward our, my ministry, to the, to the mission that God had called me to give. You gave on a consistent basis. And let me just say here, our current missions giving process, there are two mission works that we support. One of them is a church plant um, in, the, in the Bronx, New York. Anybody want to volunteer to go help? It, it's, it's an awesome church. I've preached in that church before. Man, this morning, man, it's, the, it's one of the most lively churches that I've ever been in. God has worked. Ken Baker's the pastor there. Just an amazing guy. God is growing their church, but it's a hard area. It's tough. It's not easy. That's the first one. The second one is in Tanzania, West Africa. They are beginning the process of starting a feeding center for children who are literally dying of hunger in West Africa. And we are a part of the groundwork of beginning a feeding center that will be able to feed 200 children per day for six days a week. 
That's the type of churches, that's the type of missions that we want to be about. That's the type of thing we want to do. And here's the thing, we send them money on a monthly basis. Our process is this. When you give to Keystone Church, we take 10% of every dime that comes into this church and it immediately goes out the door to our mission works and mission partners. So we say this proudly. When you give to Keystone, you are giving to missions. And that's just the truth of the matter. By the way, those of you that are here for the first time, I want to apologize. Um, I told you that we preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Bible. Actually, I don't want to apologize because I don't apologize for preaching the Bible. But we're talking about giving today because the, the Bible talks about giving. And so, caveat, come back next Sunday. We're going to talk about Jesus rising from the dead. You're, you can hoop and holler a little bit more and clap a little bit more. But I, I, you know, I don't apologize, but it is what it is this morning. But we want to continue giving continuous gifts. We want to be a church, even in our young stage, uh, just being in, 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 you know, just being here since October. We want to be a church that gives continuous gifts to further mission works. But not only did they give continuously, but they gave one-time gifts. They gave one-time gifts. Look at the next verse, verse eighteen. He, Paul says, "I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus." The things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The church gave one-time gifts to further mission works. So not only did they give to him on a consistent basis, but they sent Epaphroditus with a special, though I guess the way if you were a college student, it would be, what do they call it, a care package? It's like you're at college, you got no money. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You actually, you don't really realize this, but if you've got a student loan out, you're in college and you owe a bunch of money already. Just want to be an encouragement, and uh, this morning, <clears throat> and then, as we close, we're going to pray for our student loan debt, uh, you know, forgiveness. Right? We're going to pray for that student loan debt forgiveness programs as all college students getting closer, to, getting closer to Jesus during that time. But the fact is, this year in college, you got no money, you got nothing, and you get a care package. And here's the thing: it doesn't matter if that care package has toothpaste and ramen noodles in it. it that, that, you're pumped, right? It's like, man, my parents spent 25 cents a piece on this ramen noodles. They probably found some old toothpaste they weren't using, but hey, it's just good to get something every now and then, right? It's like, man, they, they, they cared about me. How cool is that? My parents actually love me, you know, or whoever sent it. But you know, Paul got this care package from them. And it doesn't say specifically, you know, what they gave, but they gave one-time gifts. And so right now, I feel like in our church, we do, we're doing really well on the continuous gifts to missions. We give every month to those mission points. And by the way, once our budget hits a certain number, we're adding a third one. And then once our budget hits a certain number, we're adding a fourth one. And we're going to continue doing that. We want to be major parts of their lives. By the way, we want to give enough. Paul said this, and this is, this is completely not in my notes, but he says this. He said, at one time, you were the only church that gave to me. He says, I mean, he says it. And so we want, to be, we want to give enough money, and I'm not saying to fully support a family, but I mean, we want to give enough money where he's like, hey, these churches over here didn't give, you guys gave, and man, it was enough sustainable to keep us going. So we don't want to just, here's 20 bucks. We want to give. We want to give aggressively. But we gave, they gave one-time gifts. Here's how we want to do this, and I'm kind of unwrapping this um, for you. We talked about, I talked about this with our leadership a couple of weeks ago. We want to have three Sundays in, our, in the summertime. June, July, and August, we've got three different, we have a church planter, and we have two other mission works that we want to bring in. Um, two of them are very local, one of them is semi-local, so we don't have to spend a lot of money to bring them in. 
We want to have them come in and we want to talk about what they're doing. And we want to bless them with a one-time gift as a church. And that's what we can't, the way we've structured our budget, the way that we're trying to be financially responsible, we can't just take on a bunch of people on a monthly basis. But we can give some one-time gifts. And here's what I want you to do. We'll give you more information about those families as, as, uh, in the weeks to come. But I want you to go ahead and prepare for this, and I'm planning for this. I'm challenging each of us, and my wife and I will lead out with this. I'm challenging each of our family units to bring $100 that day. I'm telling you now because it's now in March, and we're talking about June, July, and August, so there's really no excuse for us. Um, I'm asking each of, our, each of our family units to bring $100 that day. It's going to be June, July, and August, so we need $300 by the time August hits per family unit. And when that family comes in, I want us to be able to give them a check for a good amount of money, $1,500 or more, to where they can leave there and say, listen, man, we needed this for our ministry. And you know what? We went to Keystone that day, and they were, we were able to be provided this. Hey, listen, we had struggled in this area. We were behind on this, and we were able to come, come out of that. We want to do that three times this summer, June, July, August. We're going to have, and we're going to call it We Love Missions. We Love Missions Sunday because here's the thing. When those missionaries that are willing to leave, many times leave this country and go to other countries to serve Jesus with their lives, to serve God with their lives, hey, those are our heroes. Hey, I love sports like anybody else may love sports, but let me tell you something. Some basketball player, some football player, some baseball player, that's not a hero. A hero is someone who's willing to give their lives to serve Jesus. And that's, what we, that's the way we want to treat them. So just be thinking and praying about that as we move forward, giving one-time gifts just like the church here at Philippi gave one-time gifts to the Apostle Paul. And then lastly this morning we see this, that God promises provision to those who live open-handed. God promises provision to those who live open-handed. How many of you have ever heard the verse before, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse before. All right, reality check, right? Did you know that verse is not a standalone verse? Did you know that verse does not just exist by itself? I wish that I could come to you today and just blanket statement, be like, hey, listen, God's going to give you financially whatever you need and want. I, funny story, I saw, I won't mention his name because you can go look it up and I don't want you. Very popular kind of TV type, TV preacher. And he's kind of one of those name it and claim it type things, preachers. And he, he tweeted on Twitter this, a week ago. He said, today is the day. That car you've been searching for, that car you've been wanting, claim it today in the name of Jesus. That's what he says on Twitter. And I love Twitter because the, the responses underneath were absolutely amazing. Uh, a couple of highlights. One of them said, thanks for that info. I'm claiming your new Cadillac that you just bought a couple of weeks ago. I'll expect that in my driveway. Uh, another one said, thank you, I appreciate it. I am claiming that new Gulfstream plane that your church just bought you to fly around the country in. So be careful what you tweet, number one, but be careful to not isolate a verse of scripture. Let me say this, let me, let me make this statement very clearly. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 is in existence because Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 18 are in existence. Paul says 
you communicated with me as, 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 as in giving and receiving. Well, first of all, he says, you cared for me when you couldn't give. Secondly, he says, you gave to me consistently. Thirdly, he says, you gave me one-time gifts. You sent gifts one time. And then he says, but, by the way, depending on what version you have, it might even say and. And if it does, awesome. That even helps me make my, my, my statement even better. That is a connecting word. That's a conjunction. He says, this, 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 this. I like grammar. Sue me. This, 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 this. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Hey, the church that does not obey Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 18 has no business claiming Philippians 4, 19. And I'm going to get down here on our level. This is the way we're going to conclude and I, I make no apologies. The Christian that doesn't follow Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 18 has no business claiming Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Context matters. Context is key. Because of what this church did in giving and receiving with Paul, Paul says God is going to take care of you. And I want to finish this on a personal level today. As an individual, as a family, God promises provision to those who live open-handed. God will provide for those who provide for other people. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus because He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I hope we're there. Man, I hope Christmas morning, I hope we're all adults in here. I know on Christmas morning, we have transitioned to where we're concerned and excited about what we're getting for Christmas. And I hope on Christmas morning, we're excited about what we're able to give other people. The best thing in the world for me on Christmas is to watch my two girls go crazy over what we were able to give them. And I hope we've transitioned because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7, 8, and 9 says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. He talks about giving to the poor. He talks about giving. He talks about the grace of God in his life. Every man according, not grudgingly, for God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Let me just say this this morning. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about giving, please, the only way I want you to act upon that is if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about giving and you can go, man, I'm happy to give. Please, I'm going to just tell you, I'm begging you, if there's guilt involved in, 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 in the way things are happening inside of you right now, I don't want you to give out of guilt. I'm so glad to have a privilege of being a part of this Proverbs chapter 3. And verse 9 says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Here's what me and my family do, and I don't, I'm not preaching this to you. I'm telling you what we do. Before we take anything out of our check, before we pay a bill, before we pay our taxes, before anything, we take the first fruits off. And for us, we go 10%. We actually probably wind up giving about 15% of what, what comes in. I'm just telling you straight up. That's what we do. From the very beginning, we take off 10%, and then we give additional, and then we begin our budget. That's just what we do. It's not commanded in the New Testament. I'm telling you, that's what we do. 
Um, because we want to honor the Lord first thing. Hey, this comes in first thing. And by the way, not all of that, some of that money goes to mission works as well. Obviously, anything we give here goes straight out, 10% of it. But we honor the Lord with our first fruits. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this, Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I had an illustration I was going to give you today, but I didn't want to mess up the stage. So I decided not to do it. But I have a small glass with me, and that represents us as an individual or as a family or as a church. That's what we have. That glass is full of water. I have a large container that's almost completely full of water, about 15 times the size of that little glass. And the principle is this. If we'll take what we have in our glass and we will pour it into the work of the Lord, into that large work of the Lord, the global impact of what Jesus wants to do. You know what he'll do? We, sit our, we empty ourselves out. We sit that glass back on the table. You know what he'll do? So he says, the same measure that you gave, he's going to give back. He's going to take that basin and he'll give back and he'll give back. And you know what? We can drink that water. And guess what? He's going to give back. He's going to give back. We can drink that water and we can give back and we got to overflows, to overflows. He's got more in his basin of water than we will ever have in our basin of water. I want to say this, the, the, the biblical principle here, you might be here today and you might say I'm a young person or you might be here saying, hey, I'm on a fixed income, whatever. Here's the thing. It's not equal giving. It never has been equal giving. It's always about the heart of the matter. It's all about are we willing to give. In fact, in the New Testament, the, a widow gave, do you guys remember the story? A widow gave two mites. Okay? And in, this, in today's society, that's like less than a penny. Is what she gave. But you know what? Other men gave a lot of money, but Jesus recognized her. And the disciples recognized her. And you want to know what, they, what Jesus said? Hey, listen, I recognized her because you guys gave a lot, sure. But she gave it all. Hey, she gave whatever she had. And basically what Jesus is saying there, hey, she may have only had two mites to her name, but the heart behind the matter is if she had 2,000 mites behind her name, she would have given that. If she had 2 million mites behind her name, she would have given that. And so today, I don't, I don't believe the Bible teaches us to set a standard of, here, this is how much we need to give. I don't think that at all. I think the Bible does say this, that, hey, how much you're willing to give, He'll bless. He'll bless. And I love the fact that He doesn't just bless financially. By the way, that's investment. Listen, giving to, giving to the Lord's work is not an investment. He can give back to you in other ways. He gives back to you in happiness and joy. He gives back to you in circumstances of life. He gives back to you in the nearness of the Holy Spirit in your lives. But the fact is this. The Bible teaches over and over and over again. If we will give to Him, He will take care of us. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. In all my years of service to my Lord, I have discovered a truth that has never failed and has never been compromised. That truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I give the whole of my worth to him, we find a way to give he he will find a way to give back to me much more than I gave. Randy Alcorn says it this way. The more you give, the more comes back to you. 
Because God is the greatest giver in the universe. And he will not let you outgive him. Go ahead and try. See what happens. My challenge today as we close and we close out this book is threefold. And I'll just, I'll be very blatant with you. I think you understand my heart in this matter. I want to challenge you to do three things. All of us in this room are in three different categories. So I'm going to challenge you. If you have never given, I'm going to ask you to give once. It's very simple. It's very easy. If you've never given, I'm going to ask you to give once. Corey Ten Boom said this, the measure of a life is not in its duration, but its donation. How much did you put into it? So I'm going to ask you if you've never given to give once. John MacArthur said it this way, God made all of his creation to give. He made the sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the earth, the plants to give. He also designed a supreme creation, man, to give. But fallen man is the most reluctant giver in all the universe. And I say amen personally because that's me. I'm reluctant sometimes. My challenge that I was given when I struggled with this, and my wife and I have not always been consistent givers. At the very beginning of our marriage, we struggled. And the challenge was always this, and it's so true. How come we will trust Jesus with 100% of our eternal destination? Heaven or hell, we will say, you can have it all, God. You have you got my whole life, man. I, for salvation, yes, heaven, yes. But we won't trust him to use. Let's just say, let's just use the 10%. And I'm not, I'm not preaching that gospel. But we, won't, we, won't, we don't think he can take care of us using 90% of our income. Or 95%, whatever you give. We, we, can, we can trust him with our eternal salvation, but we can't trust him with our temporal checkbook, our temporal bank account. I'm just going to ask, just, and here's the thing. We don't beg money. Look, we, we, got, we upgraded out there. We got a new uh, sign when you came in. It says, Welcome to Keystone Church. And it doesn't have that nasty, ugly bulletin board that used to, that, that's behind there. You don't see that anymore. We upgraded. Hey, we got some new cameras. We got some new equipment. And you guys know this. I've, I never come to you and say, Hey, listen, we got to do this. I got to have you guys give money. No, I never do that. This is not for me. This is for you. Give once. Secondly, I want to ask you, if you've given before, I want to ask you to consider giving consistently. Paul talks about the church that they gave once and again. That became a consistent thing in their life. John Wesley said it this way. When a man becomes a Christian, he becomes industrious, trustworthy, and prosperous. Now if that man, when he gets all he can and saves all he can, does not give then all he can, I have more hope for Judas Assyriot than for that man. Now I wouldn't say it quite as angry as John Wesley said it. That's pretty, he needs to chill. But anyway, um, but, but the truth is, here's what he said. And this is different than what I do. He said, listen, after you take care of your expenses, after you uh, save all you can, give. Hey, listen, I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just, I'm just saying, if God's done something for you, Consider giving on a consistent basis. And then I challenge myself with this, and I'm looking straight in between my eyes because I give consistently, just once again shooting straight with you. If your pastor didn't give consistently, then fire him. All right, please, if you would, that would be amazing. Um, I'm, I'm challenging myself thirdly to give extravagantly. <clears throat> extravagantly. C.S. Lewis says this, 
I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. He says, look, I'm not going to sell you how much you ought to give. He said, I'm afraid the only safe run is to give more than we can spare. That's C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis was an atheist turned Christian. He was pretty hardcore. I'm challenging myself to give extravagantly. I'm challenging myself that when there's a need and I see that person that's in need, I'm challenging myself to take out my money and to give. I'm challenging myself when, when, when the Holy Spirit prompts me and I see that person that's, that's in need, when I see uh, someone who, who needs food or I see someone who needs something that, or I hear of a need at work or somebody's house burned down or something happened, I'm, I'm challenging myself to give it extravagantly. I'm challenging myself that when our church one day finds maybe a, a permanent location and we've got to make some, some purchases and we've got to do some things, I'm challenging myself to be step one, lead out and giving extravagantly to what God has for our church. You say, Josh, I can't believe you just preached an entire sermon on giving. And I say, I'll be honest with you, I can't either. Um, that was not in my plans. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can't really preach through a book of the Bible without it touching on it at some point in time. Someone said, and I'm not, I've not done these numbers, but Someone said that in the New Testament, one out of five, there's 20% of the New Testament touches on stewardship giving in some way. So like, we're lucky we got through like five weeks without hitting on it somehow. But at the end of the day, I want to challenge you in this way. If you want to take this sermon as financial, great. I think some of us need to, and myself included. But I want to challenge you this morning if you say, Josh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm put off extremely hard by preaching on money. That's fine. I'll give you that. Okay, I'll give you that. And once again, I, with all due respect, don't apologize for preaching the Bible. However, if you don't want to take it financially, then here's how I want to ask you to take it. Take it on a spiritual level. Take it on a time level. Take it on a heart level. How much have you given? How much have you given to others? How much have you given to the work of the Lord? How much have you given to those who can't help you back? Of your time, of your energy of your heart. I'll be the first to tell you that it's uncomfortable. I'll be the first to tell you that, that finances is, I mean, look, there's a reason why finances is, is, the, is the marriage killer. We don't like to talk about it. Right? It's not comfortable. So let's not talk about it. Let's talk about our heart for God. Let's talk about how we're spending our time. Let's talk about how we're spending our, ourselves, our lives. Are we giving? Are we givers? We are done, and I close with this. There are two types of people in this world. I think we all know this. There are givers, and there are takers. There are givers, and there are takers. I want to beg you. I want to beg you for, for everything Christian, for everything Bible, for everything Jesus, for everything. In every area of your life, I want to beg you to be a giver. And give love. Give money. Give hugs. Warm hugs. All right? Give. Be a giver. Be a giver. At your job. Hey, be a giver. Hey, at, in your neighborhood, be a giver. Be a giver. Be a giver. In everything that you can, give of yourself. Give of your resources. Be a giver. You know why? Because Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all your need. Here's the cool thing. According to His riches. And glory. Not your riches. Praise God, not my riches. If, if God was dependent on my riches, he'd be pretty poor. Just be straight up honest with you. No, no, he's going to bless us. 
He's going to supply for us based upon His riches. We closed the book of Philippians with giving. Praise the Lord. But Paul closed the letter to the Philippians with, with giving. And I'll say this. Young church, just starting out in Philippi. Young church, just starting out here in Durham. Let us not be guilty of ignoring the last 13 verses of this powerful book in the book of Philippians. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.